Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. This is Boardcast News for June 16th. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are my two wonderful co-hosts, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Thank you all for joining us for another edition of the news. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can do so by finding us on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Find us on BGG Guild number 2077. Or check us out on places like Twitter and Instagram. Today's show for June 16th, this is our Origins News episode. So hopefully if you are there or heading there, you have something to listen to for a few minutes. We're going to get into some news stories. We're going to chat about some Kickstarter spotlights, a little bit about what's going on with the League, and then we will wrap it up and send you on your way. So without further ado, let's jump right into the news. Yeah, the news sucks this week. <laughs> There's a lot of it, yeah, though. Yeah, it seems to be a bunch of it. Y- yeah, but it's, yeah. All right. Well, everyone, prepare to get your whistles wetted because this is the news. Um, first up, if you didn't have enough small games... There's another Tiny Epic game coming. Woohoo! Um, this one is called Tiny Epic Quest, and it's about questing in miniature form. The game takes place kind of in a homage to like the classic video games of like Zelda and Final Fantasy. So you're going to be controlling these little elf adventurers. They'll probably be tiny green meeples if I was going out on a limb. And you're trying to slay goblins and close portals and collect treasures and do all kinds of stuff. This is a, quote, sandbox adventure, according to Gameland Games. And there's not much uh, on gameplay, but it's it's got some interesting aspects to it. You're going to be traveling around, and the movement apparently is going to play a heavy role in this, being that you're going to be traveling by horseback, raft, or on foot to get where you're going to fill these quests so not only is that but the game is broken into like two phases day and night and you're going to be like visiting villages and gathering quests while the sun is up and then at night you're going to head out when all the goblins are doing gobliny things and you're going to slay them with your tiny epic swords and your tiny epic spells and your tiny epic skills everything in this game is going to be tiny and epic apparently so um you're going to play until the goblins are all dead and the portal's been closed. And that's all I know about it. But stay tuned because it'll make a boatload of money and I will trade it. I am for... <laughs> <laughs> I'm always interested in the difference between the thematic interpretation and the pitch versus how that actually plays out. You know, when they say you're going to be traveling by horseback or this and that, that probably just means like you have a card... That says you can move two spaces instead of one kind of thing. Like it, it just never seems to come to fruition compared to the epic description in writing. Well, if it's epic, then you'll travel two cards. What? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I think you sh- I think Gamelin should hire you. You you really hyped up this game in my mind. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I, the description I, was flawless. I'm sorry. I I just I'm kind of getting tired of these, to be honest with you. I'm, I yeah. agree. But, you know, hopefully it'll have it some cool sense. little 8-bit 
Zelda-like art or something that'll make it appealing. Yeah. I just wish they'd stop trading on that tiny epic business. Like, let's just name it something else. These aren't all tiny epic, right? Like, we could just call it. We could just start over and have a new game. I don't really feel like any of them have been that epic. They've all been tiny, but... They're small. Yeah. I, that, that's kind of why I was curious when I talked last episode to see his new, quote, big box 4X. Because I want to see if it's just, like, tiny epic kingdoms, like, blown up. Or if it's really like this, you know, unique kind of standalone adventure sort of thing. So instead of tiny epic kingdoms, they just call it epic kingdoms. Yeah. Yeah. Full What's size epic it's kingdoms. Like heroes of land, air, and sea, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I. What do you think it'll take for this line of games to die out? Nothing. Just the like when the Kickstarter money dries up. As long as they're making up, money on it. Yeah. Why should it dry out? He's pulling in like half a million dollars every time. People like Just these because games. because it's called Tiny Epic. I don't get it, people. I don't know. Good good for them, I suppose, yeah. you know? Marketing, no, it, design. It's all got working a good, for somebody. They've got a, quote, good thing going. So keep it rolling, I guess. But I don't know. People like me, you're starting to lose me. So I was like, oh, the first oh, they, one was... They lost you so long ago, Dan. Yeah. I, I will admit that um, I did back the Western one. Probably with the intention of flipping it. I was like I going to say they're do. good trade bait. <laughs> but the Western one appealed to me because, again, the Western theme. And I also like poker. And apparently utilizes poker mechanics. So we'll see. I'm not sure that they're good trade bait. Because I've had tiny Epic Kingdoms for trade and for sale since I bought it. And no one wants it. I think because everybody backed it. Yeah. I mean, I got a good deal on uh, Galaxies. And I, I think Dan traded or sold Galaxies well. I saw galaxies for like forty bucks. Yeah, so so maybe it's just you, Tiff. You gotta you gotta go a little harder at it. If you put it up like right away, it'll go. Yeah, but I like to try games before I put them up. Uh, no, don't do that. No, and I I had every well, and once I found out Matt backed galaxies, I was like, oh, that's going up. Yeah, don't, we don't need two tiny epic games. There's that's too much epicness for our family. Tiff, what you need to do is you need to put up tiny epic quest right now. And then just be like, oh, shipping delay, I'm sorry, I'm still trying to get it together. And then just stall out until the game shows up, but you'll lock in that price. It'll be great. You're right. Yeah. Just say pre-order. Okay. <laughs> Tiff's pre-order. All right, Dan, what else is going on? All right, so next up, if you were interested, um, Yellow the have announced that there's going to be a King of Tokyo 5th Anniversary Edition. Because now we celebrate five years of doing something, which is cool, I guess. Um, this new, uh, anniversary edition is going to have new monsters, artwork, and the rules have been tweaked to make them even more clear, which I'm confused though, because I thought the rules were fine, but maybe it's like people a one having... sheet of rules. Isn't yeah. It? It's like roll dice, attack monster. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I can say from my perspective, the kids get confused when trying to teach that to themselves. Yeah. Like, okay. it, they're not what, there are some things that could be clarified to make it easier for non gamey people. It's okay. been so long since I've actually read the rule book. I'm sure there's something in it that could be clarified. I just thought that was interesting that they were like really highlighting that. They're like, yeah, it's even more clear for players. It's like, okay. Um, so aside from those, amazing clarifications in the rules everything else is going to be unchanged uh it's going to be mostly aesthetics that are going to be upgraded quote upgraded 
the Cyber Bunny. So just get into the monster. So everybody's favorite Cyber Bunny is going to be replaced with a Cyber Kitty Cat thing. So but why? I don't I don't know because people are tired of bunnies. I guess if you have the original edition, you'll still have the bunny. Ben is going to be so sad. He loves Cyber Bunny. Cyber Bunny is one of the best ones. Um, yeah. But the cool thing is they're adding Space Penguin. Which I can't was... believe they're adding Space Penguin. But I worked hard for my Space Penguin. I know. I kind of chuckled when I saw everyone buying like Space Penguins for 40 bucks like a year ago. And now they're just putting them in the base game. <laughs> that was like their big thing was only way mine. to get Space Penguin was to win it at a yeah. convention. Yeah, now you can just buy it. Would flip them for like huge amounts. And then also kind of they've set up an exclusive Target distribution deal. And for the first year... They're going to replace Gigazor or Gigasaurus or Giga Giga something with baby Giga something. So in case you wanted a cat and a penguin and a tiny dinosaur, this is the version for you. Adorable. They did mention that they will there will be compatibility issues because the new version will have the new box art art on the back, artwork on the back of the cards, but they are going to release sleeves so that you can merge the two copies as you see fit to kind of oh how do we transmit tiff's physical reaction into audio oh man (laughs) like i i get it people need to make money and this is definitely gonna work like people will want every character and buy these sleeves but it just seems a little shameless yeah but at least they thought of the sleeves unlike with like when they reprinted like pandemic and they're just like eh these Sucks don't to go you. together. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. King of Tokyo. They mentioned that it's going to be, there's going to be a pre-release June 30th before a wider release uh, mid-July. So stay tuned for Cyber Kitty. <laughs> I put this next one in here because you guys are bona fide dorks now. Um, this is D and D stuff. <laughs> You're so cool, Dan. You're I'm so much just cooler than us. Kidding. Mm-hmm. I put this in here. This is WizKids stuff. Um, WizKids made an announcement to kind of correlate with the um, announcement that D and D is having a new adventure book called Storm King's Thunder. Raw. But. Uh, so WizKids announced that they're going to expand on their little miniatures that they do. They do these pre-painted minis for that. But they also announced, for the board gamers out there, a new D&D board game called Assault of the Giants. And in this game, you're going to take control of a type of giant and attempt to seize control of all giant kind. In the game, you'll attack settlements and score points and secure resources and all kinds of stuff. So it looks like a big giant box of things some of the minis they said are going to be upwards of five inches tall um but that of course is going to come with an equivalent price tag which is going to be rather tall in the neighborhood of about a hundred dollars that's crazy for whiz kids yeah especially when they're all they're gonna be like droopy giants they're all gonna like i'm a droopy giant (laughs) all these giants are leaning slightly to the left (laughs) all their necks don't support their heads oh no (laughs) um but it is being designed by Andrew Parks, who has done some games in the past. Most recently, he's been the lead designer on the Star Trek Frontiers, the remake of their Mage Knight implementation. And I believe he also did Core Worlds, if I'm not mistaken. But don't quote me on that. But I really like Core Worlds. So, designer with a little bit of pedigree. So, we'll see. Yeah. 
unfortunately, those D&D board games have not historically been stuff to write home about. Although they sell, people like them, but they're not... I think people like them as a substitute for D&D. Yeah. Yeah, it's like structured and it has a physical presence. And then you have minis that you can use for other things, so... And you don't need a DM. I think that's the big thing. It's mm. like, ooh, I'm doing D&D, but I don't have to burden one of my friends. Yeah, so look for your droopy giants in stores soon. I don't think there was a release date, but they will be. Are there any other giant games? I think this might be one of the first giant games. I believe there's a game called Giants. There is, but yeah. it's older, right? Yeah, like 10 years or so, I think. Maybe less. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's no interruption. We can talk giant games if you'd like to. Tiny giant games. Tiny epic giants. The oh, next release from Game Like It's amazing. I'm so glad you picked up on my kind of asymmetrical news here. We talk about tiny things and then we talk about giant things. That's what we do. You got a theme, huh? And now we go into things that are even greater than board games. See my oh, segue? I get it. I get Greater it. Than Games has announced two new Kickstarters coming up. Um, I'm only going to talk briefly about this because we'll probably cover them in a Kickstarter thing in July. But they've announced a revised edition of Exoplanets, which was a game that successfully funded on Kickstarter from, I believe it's a Polish company. The guys who did brew dice or dice brewing or whatever that was. Um, really kind of interesting looking uh, at least aesthetically, game about exploring and doing planets, but in more of a kind of a Euro-y feel. So that'll be coming out. And then they also announced, um, and this one is tied to Tiff's favorite man um, and two of our friends. Um, this is from Richard Launius, Daryl Lauder, and Chris Kirkman. It is Fate of the Elder Gods. So Launius, back in Cthulhu. Go figure. Never saw that coming. Um, this one is unique in that the players are playing the role of the Elder Gods. And you are manipulating manipulating your cultists to kind of avoid the investigators and traverse the little realm of whatever. I don't know the mythos. I'm sorry. So, um, but I've, I actually have, I've play tested this one. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked it. So. And your face. It's. Well, it's different. It's it's Lanius, it's Cthulhu, and you love it. Ha ha, this is the no, best day ever. This is the thing, though. All of the things I liked about it, I believe, are more Daryl and Chris's input than Richard's. <laughs> and we could talk about that when the Kickstarter comes out. Um, because, yeah, the, the development of the game and some of the like changes they were telling me about. So uh, I'm glad those two are on the box in addition to Richard, because then I probably wouldn't have liked it. But Whatever, Dan. You like Lonius. You did just say it. that you liked a Cthulhu game by Richard Lonius. <laughs> yeah, this is an air. This is more Eurocentric. It's area control. Oh, it doesn't matter, Dan. You and said you liked like a Cthulhu game. <laughs> I like I how you're trying to, trying to emphasize the, the Euroiness of it. No, just I'm to, trying like, to counterbalance your I think love, our listeners have all either fainted or tuned out. They don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm not going to back it or buy it. They're burning their listening devices right now. Well, it's now okay. you won't because we've shamed you. No, but I you figured should. everyone else I know will have it anyway. So <laughs> support your friends, Dan. Jeez, I will support them if they need me. <laughs> Cthulhu or, needs you, or Dan. I'll support them so I can flip it. What? No, I wouldn't do that. No, I have oh, never, okay. I have never flipped a friend's game that I've backed. You're a man of principles, Dan, and I respect that. I am. 
I, I back my friends. But this isn't all my friends. This is Richard's game, too, so I don't have to consider. <laughs> loophole, loophole. <laughs> Anyways, area control, it's got a cool little, uh, you got these spell cards in your hand that are kind of dual purpose. When you play them, they kind of go down, and you're trying to acquire various symbols that you can move around the board. It's, it's a really cool mechanic. Like I said, I'll get into it more when the Kickstarter launches. Um, this will be on demo, I believe, at Origins. So if you're interested, check it out. I think both of them will be, possibly. Uh, but I know Fate of the Elder Gods will be definitely because Daryl told me that yesterday. Yeah. Well, let me cut in before you go to the next story and actually say that uh, the Exoplanets Kickstarter is up right now. It will be ending July 1st. It is almost to its funding goal. It's got about 4000 bucks left to go. And the game is yours for 35 bucks. And there's some upgrade levels if you want some fancier bits, a new playmat, things like that. Um, but it is up. And it looks pretty cool. Like Dan said, it's already uh, funded before. It's a new version of the game. So I think there's already some news and some reviews and things out there about Exoplanet. So check it out and uh, check it out on Kickstarter. Next up, Harry, you're a wizard. Um, This is Harry Potter the Deck Builder, which is an IP I would love to see have a good game in. But I don't think this is going to be it. I was going to say, I thought you'd be more excited. I just... this. So this is from USAopoly, who produces games that I don't usually play. They're like more lighter family-style stuff, which is fine. And I think a Harry Potter game is going to have to appeal to a, a much wider audience than probably something we would like to play. But it's a it's a cooperative deck-building game, and you're playing as Harry, Ron, Hermione, or Neville. Um, obviously, I call Hermione. That's that's a no-brainer. I love Emma Watson. Ladies. <laughs> Emma Watson, yes. Um but you're going to kind of go around and gain influence, which I think is like playing cards for points. And then you're going to use those points to buy cards, spells, and magical items. And you're going to fight villains. It sounds very vanilla. It, I don't know if there's any kind of particular twist to it outside of it being cooperative. So curious to see this. I think it's going to be available for Gen Con. So I'll, I'll check it out. I, I definitely will because it's one of my favorite IPs. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. And but I, I don't have high hopes for it, unfortunately. But you know, it might be it might be a really good introductory introductory deck builder for some families and new gamers that you know really like the theme and really like to try out deck building. So I won't hate on it. Now, do we know if this is a movie IP game or if it's a book IP game? Movie. It's movie. Ah, I'm so sad. I was gonna say I would love to see some original illustrations of the Harry Potter world. Uh, I'm not going to be excited about pictures from the movies. I That's the first thing that I looked at when I saw it on BGG. I was like, let's see what these cards look like. Yeah. It's just screenshots from the movie. Oh. It's a little sad, but it's understandable. At least that's what I saw when I... I mean, I didn't dive sense. too deeply. I, I just looked at it. And I was like, oh, and then I went away. Can you imagine if Harry Potter ended up in like the legendary system? And they oh, did some custom that artwork. Awesome. That'd be so great. Yeah, that'd be good. I would love that. That'd be awesome. Is there a Harry Co- Harry Potter comic series yet that they could borrow from? I bet there's probably something from before. There's nothing on my radar at the moment, though. I wish that's how she would do I mean, that. it's not really still... I mean, it's popular for sure, but I don't know that it's actively in vogue. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There, there used to be a Harry Potter collectible card game, but that yeah. wasn't all that great. It was interesting, but 
I remember I lost interest in it quickly. So somebody make a good Harry Potter game for me, please. Thank you. Um, Next up, uh, Space Cowboys. A little bit of news from them. They have a new game coming from Mike Elliott, who designed Dice Masters and a couple of other popular games, Thunderstone, etc. So this is called Final Touch. And I kind of like the theme of this one. Um, You're hiring yourself as an art forger and who's willing to copy masterworks of the great artists. Um, And you're competing to create or recreate the same image, but you can only use certain colors to finish the image and you can kind of mess up players uh, by bluffing, etc. This one, not a lot of details on this, but it sounds kind of cool. So you can it's kind of you're managing cards in your hand. They're called touch of color cards to either improve or smear the forgery. So you can work, like I mentioned, together or against your painters, your fellow painters. And the first person to put the final touch on a forgery earns the money. And then the first person to a certain amount of money is the winner. So that's kind of a cool theme. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> See, for all of you out there that don't think Dan likes games, listen to the excitement in his voice on this one. I am less excited about this, but I'm glad that you're happy, Dan. It sounds like such a cool theme. What, it is. what it don't you okay. like about it, Tiff? And it's no? Space Cowboys, know. so you know it's going to be phenomenal. It'll be looking. good, and I'm sure I'll like it, but I don't know. You don't like art, art forgery? Art themes in general. I'm always disappointed with those games. Fresco? Yeah. What? Didn't you back Starving Artists, Tiff? Uh, I did. And I have Fresco and I like it, but I don't know. It's it's just not one of those themes that I'm super hyped about, like Dan is. Listen to him. I think what's funny, at least from the announcement that I'm looking at in the show notes, is that, you know, we're talking about art forgery and, you know, typically you forge like the Mona Lisa or some fancy sculpture or things like that. But it says the first player to earn $25 wins the game (laughs) what are you you forging forging? (laughs) postcards yeah the first person to forge this hotel art gets the money i don't know i don't it's it it caught my eye so we'll see and it's mike elliott who's a good designer so yes um base cowboys they've they've got a really good development team so i'm sure it'll be an interesting final product uh last thing from them just a quick one uh the fifth time stories scenario endurance which is the one i believe it's the world war one pre-world war one antarctic expedition one yeah will be released in the u.s it's been pushed back to q4 but it's coming out in september um in france so maybe they'll have an english version that you can get earlier so is there a one that i lost track of in between endurance and under the mask prophecy of dragons no that was before is this the next one after under the mask Yes, I believe. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. I think they count the the intro the the asylum as the first scenario. Ah, I got you. That's so, what I, that's what was confusing me. So, under the mask was the fourth if you do it that way. Cool. So, this is the fifth. Awesome. So, um this next one really interesting. Um in Singapore, 605 people suffered through at least 30 minutes of monopoly together to set a new world record. So, congrats to the people of Singapore. Yeah, you will never get that 30 minutes of your life back. Wait, like 605 people all played Monopoly? Like in the same room. Oh. I think that's how it worked. It's kind of like, like what they do with Catan. Break. I guess you have to organize 605 people that are willing to play Monopoly, though. I mean, <laughs> you could have 605 sarcastic people from Gen Con willing to do that. True. I just, 
Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I think we need to make a world record this year. I I, th- <laughs> I don't understand the logistics of it, but they did something similar at Gen Con last year with Catan. They set some world record of X people playing Catan. So good on them. Why, um, why is Singapore, Singapore. <laughs> Why is Singapore spending their time playing low rate games in mass? It's not all of Singapore, it's just 605 people. If you've ever been to Singapore, you would know that they can organize just about anything and they can do it in like 35 seconds. As we're speaking, they just built a building. Like those guys the, are The country efficient. itself built a building. <laughs> Seriously, they're that that country is uber efficient. I love that place. And clean. Very clean. Okay, so the last thing I have quickly um, is from 8th Summit, which will transition nicely into the Kickstarter, I think. Um, this is a news that Robert Kuba, who designed Battle Lore, is working with 8th Summit on a new card gaming system. And, what, and it's called the Soloverse Games. So what makes this unique, as you could maybe tell from the title, is that it's going to be a solitaire game system using decks of cards. And you're going to be able to mix and match these customizable cards, or these cards to make a customizable experience. But again, it's strictly for solo play. And the first one is going to be known as Superhero Solitaire. So playing on the superhero theme, you're going to be a single hero. So your deck of cards is going to be a single hero facing off against a single villain. So it kind of starts out sounding like sentinels of the multiverse but apparently they're going to have different themes as well so they're going to have the next one i think is going to be a mystery theme and i think they've introduced a couple of other ones i don't know if you're a solo gamer this might be interesting obviously battle lore is a a revered game that many people like so the designer has some uh, credit to his name check it out i don't know i don't solo i was excited about it until i saw superheroes I play solo games, and I think it's an exciting prospect, but I wish they had started with something that didn't already exist. Yep. This sounds like a good iPad app for me, kind of thing. Hmm. I don't don't like playing physical solo games. Like, they just, they don't do anything for me. But on the iPad, yeah, I could do it on the toilet or something. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) That's my solo needs. Someone needs to come up with, like, toilet games. Yeah, that's called an iPad. <laughs> They're called You iPad can apps. start a series of games. Yes. The toilet verse. Welcome to the solo toilet verse. Sometimes you just sometimes you just got to get away and play Lost Cities. I, sometimes you have to get away like you're choosing you don't you're going to the bathroom when you don't need to go so that you can play games by yourself. When you have small children? Yes. I think it's a it's a very viable option. So so many things that could be said. But instead, I will transition to Kickstarter Spotlight. Yay. All right, everyone. Speaking of 8th Summit Games, we have our first Kickstarter Spotlight is from this company. It is the Saving Time and Gods of Adventure double feature. This project will be ending on June 25th. They have not quite hit their funding goal. They're about a third of the way there. And just to put it out ahead of time, the cost for these games will be $35 to get one of them, $60 to get both of them. Now, what we have is two games designed by Richard Launius. I'll be back. But, uh, what did you say? <laughs> I said, I'll be back. <laughs> I picked this especially, especially for Tiff. And to hear, you know, I, you never know when Richard Launius is going to show up on the show, so you got to make sure you're featuring his games appropriately, because uh, I know it helps bring him out. 
But uh, what we have, the first game is called... Saving Time. The first game is Saving Time, which is a cooperative game about trying to save the past, and therefore vicariously the present, from an evil alien menace. And sadly, that is about all they tell you about this game. There are something called time tiles, which you will be interacting with, which are historic events in the past. Um, you will have a specific character with some abilities, and you will be interacting cooperatively with these different time tiles in an attempt to save them, and thus the world. But other than that, there is no gameplay video or gameplay description that I can give to you, unfortunately. Which I think is really sad, because if you've ever talked to Richard, he can describe his games in, in a way that makes you want to play them. Why not just have this in the video, just Richard talking about this game? Because I watched the video for this, and it was not exciting. Yeah. <laughs> There, there's no voiceover, and the part that's about saving time is just, like, showing historical images Yeah. at a point. I'm like, what? Not even the cards from the game, just right. the art from the cards on the game. Like, right. hey, remember that time this wall was built <laughs> or this person lived? It just made me sad. Like, maybe you guys should look into getting someone to do your videos because this is not getting me to buy a game. I... I don't know. I, the only reason I watched it to the end is because we were talking about it on the show today. Yeah. So it's make, it makes me sad because it's Richard, but I don't want to back it. Well, it is one to four players, and it's 30 to 45 minutes cooperative. So there's some information to flesh out what you're working with. I just don't know anything about the gameplay uh, because the page is so sparse and looking for more, I didn't really find a whole lot. Now, what's even kind of stranger is when you contrast the other game that's featured in this project. So there's two games in the same Kickstarter project. The other game is Gods of Adventure. Now, Gods of Adventure is a competitive dungeon crawl style game where you are a god trying to win the favor and kind of the um, respect of the adventurers in the dungeon. So you are trying to manipulate them and control them so that they give you offerings and they fight for you and are loyal to you, things like that. And this is a two to four player game, runs you 30 to 60 minutes, and it's got a dice and hand management element. Um, you are trying to play heroes into the dungeon, and there are five or six different hero types. And the, there's a unique, they call it a unique stacking mechanism, where basically if you play the wizard, and then on my turn I play the wizard, the cards stack on top of each other and whoever's on top controls that the influence of that guy or that girl, man or woman, whatever. And you do that for all the different heroes as you're fighting through this adventure. Um, the one example that they give in the project is that you're fighting a big horde of like plague rats. Um, and as you fight those rats, you're playing the different advent adventurers and trying to keep your adventurers alive, try to have them deal damage via dice rolling, and trying to use their special abilities to manipulate the board state. Now that sounds really cool too. It's just strange that they give so much more detail on this Gods of Adventure game as opposed to saving time. They even have a full um, playthrough with Richard Launius narrating and providing the gameplay. So you get a much stronger idea of what Gods of Adventure is about versus saving time. So it's just confusing that these two things almost contradict each other in terms of me wanting to spend my money. Yeah, 
there have been some Kickstarters where they've had several games available in one Kickstarter, and I I don't like it. So because these games are are very different, yeah, extremely different, and I th- I think maybe that's what they're hoping for. Like, oh, if you're not into co-ops, then you'll get this competitive dungeon crawl game. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know unless you're a crazy Richard Lanius fan person then maybe you're backing both of them. I don't know. But it's just, it seems like a weird mix, these two games. Yeah, they. I, I don't know if it's because 8th Summit signed two games and wanted to do one Kickstarter, or if Richard Launius, they're both, since they're both his games, they wanted to like do a Launius package or something like that. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I think that, you know, it's something to consider. Take a look. I'm not terribly drawn to either game. Uh, I think that one of the things that, you know, we value on the show is aesthetics. And I haven't found the aesthetics of either project to be terribly exciting. That is such a nice way of saying that both of these games look hideous. Yeah. Um, I I had the same problem with uh, Run, Fight, or Die, which is a really super fun game. I kind of like had- that. It, it, I mean, the art was great, but the graphic design on the cards and tiles was not really awesome. And some of the font choices and some of the tiles were cut off a little bit. And I don't know. It just, it had some issues with the graphic design. And I see those same issues, these icons and just the way they look on, especially for uh, Saving Time, just doesn't appeal in any way. Yeah. It looks old fashioned. It does look a bit dated. Both games kind of look. Dated. And I think that, you know, aesthetics aren't everything. If the gameplay is good, then I don't really, I'll get over what it looks like. But I, from the game that I do know how it plays, watching Richard Launius play in this gameplay video, I just didn't find it terribly exciting. Like, it looks like you play a card, you roll some dice. And the thing that got to me was it's a 13 minute video. He time lapses in the middle of it to skip a few turns. And that whole video is this this playtest of a group playing one monster. They spend 13 plus minutes just fighting the plague rats and it's all just play a card, roll some dice. And that kind of gameplay doesn't really draw me, um, which I just, I find this interesting given he always seems to do such kind of out of the box things with his games. I mean, I, I like how he designs in the Ameritrash space, but this doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. I didn't, pick this project to bash it. I picked it because Richard Launius is one, like Tiff's favorite designer. I know. Two, he's a good designer. And uh, it's interesting to see how this Kickstarter project is being designed and run. I I think that it's something worth highlighting. Yeah, I don't want to bash this either. I mean, no one tell Richard, but I don't (laughs) think I'm going to back this. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe I'll change my mind later because I I do love all of his games and even the hideous looking ones like Defenders of the Realm is arguably like one of the most hideous games I own, but it's the one that I love the most. So aesthetics aren't everything, but this just with the lack of information and kind of like not seemingly exciting gameplay, it just doesn't grab me. Sad. So sad. This project is an opportunity to get some of the other games that 8th Summit has done if you're interested in those like Agents of Smirsh and Defenders of the Last Stand and Run, Fight, or Die. So there's also an opportunity there, you know, to pick up one of these games and some of their other titles if you're interested. Um, This is Saving Time and Gods of Adventure. It's about a third of the way to funding. So check it out. See if you like it. Trust me, our opinion isn't everything. (laughs) 
moving forward, I have I've designed this Kickstarter news. Oh wait, pause. Dan, Dan, you can come back. Richard Launius is done. I'm here. <laughs> I have designed this news specifically for Tiff because now I have a dice worker placement game, and I can't think of anything else that Tiff loves more in the world than Richard Launius and dice worker placement. So it's let's see what she thinks about Fallen Angel. This is from Asteria Board Game Creation. It will be ending on July 1st, and it has hit its funding goal. So this game is billed as a highly strategic Euro game with dice. And basically the quick pitch on it, area control and dice worker placement with a theme, kind of like a sci-fi theme with, they say, an Asian flair, which means, I guess, kind of like a more anime-y kind of thing. I don't know if anime is the appropriate word, but it's like an Asian style of artwork. Um, And the theme is that this asteroid that has been taken over by evil forces is plummeting towards a world, and you must rally your forces to defend and defeat the evil forces so that this asteroid doesn't blow everyone up. It's considered a semi-cooperative game because if you don't defeat the monsters together, you'll probably get overwhelmed, but you're still competing to get victory points, and uh, the end game is still a single-player victory, so semi-cooperative in that nature. I think that the game sounds interesting, and that's kind of why I picked it. There's an upgrade system where when you defeat monsters, they turn into upgrades for your airship, which is what you use to travel around. Um, You're using dice within the game along with card play to create kind of your attack values. So basically like a dice mitigation system through cards. So I think there's a lot of elements on the surface at first glance that tick a lot of boxes that all three of us like. Definitely. I This is definitely more up my alley. So I think you nailed it on this one. Um, I still don't know about this sci-fi sort of theme, but I like the, the card artwork. But the boards look a little weird. Um, it has gems and, and airship meeples, so that's kind of cool, just from the aesthetic side. And then area control is always hit or miss for me, so that's the other concern that I have for it. I don't know if I'll dig area control, but dice worker placement and kind of the way you're using cards to... Or I guess, I don't know, are they cards that, that affect your dice? Like, they're tiles, right? Well, you have the hero cards that modify your dice, and then you have the tiles that modify, I guess, like your ship or your upgrades that will probably influence your actions and things like that. I like that part. I like I like upgrading a ship, and I like being able to like have different things going on with your dice based on the cards you have. That's cool. Yeah, and I know something that Dan really likes out of his one of his favorite games, Terra Mystica, is different objectives during different rounds. So kind of that rotating goal within the game. You're, you're shooting for different things at different times, which is kind of cool. Yep, I do like that. So I can't get a really strong feeling for the game just yet to make a full opinion. They don't have the rule book up on the page just yet. But I, I like a lot of what's here, which is kind of why it drew my eye. There's some extra flair added where you can get a dice tower to roll your dice that looks really nice. There's double-sided boards where you can play in two different kind of sceneries. I mean, it's just aesthetic, but there's a little bit of extra flair added to the game that says that they're caring about it. And I think that one thing is really interesting that we don't, I don't think we ever see, is that this is their first Kickstarter project, and they openly say, 
as part of their goal to gain your trust and confidence, they're offering a money-back guarantee where you can, within 30 days of receiving your pledge, return it for full value, and they'll pay return shipping. I, I mean, it's just words on a page at this point. I don't know how binding that is, but that seems to be a big gesture for, hey, come trust us. We really just want you to like our game. Yeah, and it's not that expensive either. It's 36 bucks for the game. Yeah, and I think it's 39 or 40 if you get it with the dice tower. It seems like it's worth the risk. The only thing I worry about is just looking at it on the table is that maybe it's a little fiddly for a worker placement game, but I don't know. Yeah, with the rotating actions and dudes, monsters and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot going on, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about backing it. I think I kind of like this. I'm drawn to it. It's got plenty of time left, you know, so I've got the reminder button on. I'm I'm thinking about it. It definitely looks like cool a cool project, and I like supporting first-time people, you know, Kickstarters for that. So it's always exciting to find a project that looks legit from a first-time creator or second-time creator. So It looks like it's going to be long, though, the game. Yeah, let me see. It's 60 minutes for two players and 30 minutes per player after that, up to four. Yeah, that is a while. So that's that's another thing that I noticed that I was like, mm, I don't know. A little out of your time frame. Yes. If it, I mean, two players, that's perfect. Like 60 minutes for a worker placement game, I like it. Yeah. But past that, ooh, 90 minutes. Too many minutes. Too many minutes. It's okay, Tiff. <laughs> so that is Fallen Angel from Asteria Board Game Creation. Cool project. Check that out. We're going to round out the show, or at least the Kickstarter portion, by talking about one of the super hot projects on Kickstarter right now. This is The Duchess, which is a gaming table from BoardGameTables.com. Now, BoardGameTables.com is, I mean, as far as I know, one of the top names in board game tables. I know Geek Chic is very popular as well, um, but Chad Deshawn, I believe he owns the company. He's been making custom board game tables and shipping them, fulfilling orders through the internet for about two years. I've heard a lot of good things about their tables. Apparently, they're really nicely made, high production value. They look really nice. They're very functional. So what he's done, basically, is, according to his pitch, he's trying to make a low-cost gaming table to appeal to the people who can't afford a custom table, because his tables start at about 1400 bucks. He's mass-producing and slimming down the options to make a cool custom table that you can get your hands on, that you can have a really nice kind of centerpiece for your game room or your house uh, at a more affordable price. This project is ending on July 13th. It's already funded. He's doing really well with the project. And basically what we have, I'll go into some of the features, but you've got a couple of different levels that you can back at. So the table is a 5 by 3 table. It's made out of rubber wood, which is a... It's a hardwood that is like dried out sap tree. I read about how the, the trees work and it's kind of cool. Uh, you can get it in three different colors, like a blonde, light wood, a black or a brown. It's got a two-sided reversible inlay. It's got like a two-inch deep set playing surface. Uh, it, it has all the features that you really kind of want out of a nice hardwood gaming table. And what you can get when you back is 500 bucks gets you a table. And then each feature that you want to add on is going to hop the price up a little bit. And there's only two other options. You can get cup holders for 559 bucks. You can get just a topper, which turns it into a dining room table for 739 bucks. Or you can get the whole package for 799. Cup holder, four cup holders and a table topper 
and it's going to run you 60 bucks shipping in the US or EU. So add that into your price if you're thinking about this. The reason why I picked this is one that it's doing really well and two I've always thought about a nice gaming table and I like the fact that this table is easy to or affordable to get. Apparently it's easy to assemble. Part of the reason why it's so cheap is that there is about 15 minutes of assembly required. All you need is a Phillips head screwdriver though. And uh, I like that you can get some cup holders and a topper. It's got some features without going above and beyond. I'm interested in this project, but I feel like I don't know if I can back a table. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I worry about backing anything that gets overfunded this much because it tends to take forever or not get made at all because maybe they weren't anticipating this much funding. You know what I mean? It, the table looks great, and I'm interested. I need a better table. I'm still gaming on a Costco like folding table. It's sad. I need something better. And this looks like the price range I'd be willing to pay for a table and the features that I would want in a table. But getting it on Kickstarter, backing anything for like over $100 is hard for me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Dan, what do you feel about a custom table that you buy over the internet? Um, I'm just looking at it. Um, as a fan of wood, um, it looks... <laughs> <laughs> It looks all right. I I don't know. Me personally, I'd rather I I prefer the challenge of building my own. But again, I understand why people don't because you don't have the tools or the skills or whatever to do that. Um, I like kind of toying with that stuff. So I'm looking at the design of this thing, and it's it's pretty simplistic. Um, I can see why this would be pretty easy to mass produce. Again, like Tiff said, he's never done this mass production, so. I'm not sure how easy it is to get into the mass production of furniture game. You know what I mean? Like, is that something you can just easily just go, hey, I want to make tables. Help me out. Um, so, yeah. But the price seems about right. I like looking at the materials and stuff like that. I mean, that's pretty affordable uh, gaming table wise. But I don't I don't know. It doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. To drop $800 blindly like that, I, I need to see one of these in person first to see the quality of the wood and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause if it's just going to be an Ikea table kind of thing that, mm, nah. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, this is, it's a tricky thing cause you can't always tell just by looking at it, you know, in terms of weight, sturdiness, things like that. He's got some testimonies, you know, kind of vouching for the table itself. And I don't know if this is going to make rounds, if he's going to have these out anywhere, um, something like that, but the Kickstarter is only running for so long. So I doubt he's going to be like running around the shows with these, to speak to how they're being made, it seems that from the project that he's working closely with a shop, the sh you know, the factory will actually be mass producing them. I don't think he's cutting them out himself and, and putting things together like he does with the custom tables that he builds. So I, in terms of time, I mean, he's working with people who apparently know what they're doing. And he's, what he's said is that he's made a lot of assurances and built in a lot into the time frame to compensate for potential problems. Um, he, you know, he's putting his word out there to say that the, the concerns that you guys just said are addressed. But again, you can't really know. It, it, there's always a blind faith element with something like this. So it's tricky because it is an interesting project and it's just something you never quite know how it's going to work. Um, the one thing that stands out to me while I am interested in this, because I will actually be 
hopefully moving to a house around the same time that this would be delivered. It'd be nice to have a brand new table. Five by three for me fits most games, but I'd almost want it to be six by three, six by four, eight by four. Like I'd, I almost want a slightly bigger surface because it doesn't compensate for extras that would be that I'd want on my table, things like that. So five by three is a sufficient playing space, but I'd almost want it to be a little bit bigger. But I guess beggars can't be choosers when you're looking for an affordable game table. Right. Well, and I mean, to get something similar, I mean, even base models at Geek Chic are like twice this much. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it, I think I the Kickstarter looks really well put together. And, you know, the fact that he is sort of address some of those concerns is nice, but it is a lot to put out there on a Kickstarter. I yeah. I hope, th- I mean, these are going to go retail eventually, right? Because it says there's an MSRP price somewhere on this Kickstarter page, I noticed. So maybe he's planning on selling these after the Kickstarter? Yeah, he said the plan is to, you know, funds providing and provided everything goes well that he'd hope to have them available to purchase later. It's just going to jack the price up probably like I think it was one or 200 extra bucks um, in the future. So I'd be willing to spend a couple of extra hundred dollars to not take a risk. So that's fair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is the Duchess, a gaming table from BoardGameTables.com. A super interesting project, probably one of the big ones when you go on Kickstarter. It's going to be standing out and a lot to consider for us, uh, you know, first world gamers who (laughs) have money to to contemplate a a nice new table to play on but for now the costco table will do tiff it will it's fine we play on those too i would like to see a like a a nude color that you could stain yourself personally yeah dan the amateur woodworker i had i was interested in hearing his perspective your perspective dan because i you know i just don't have an eye for these things but i'm sure you'd want to trick it out not not necessarily trick it out i just I'd, i'd prefer to choose my own stain color as yeah. opposed to have it pre-stained, but I understand it has to be pre-stained prior for the mass production process, but it'd be cool if they could just have an option to stain it yourself. Maybe yeah. cut a couple hundred bucks or cut a couple bucks off it. And then, you know, those people that want to maybe that don't want the the blonde, the brown or the black could do it in something different, like a cherry or something like that uh, to fit their house. Dan wants a nice rose. Oh, no. Know. Is that a thing? I made that up. Yeah. They, they, I mean, yeah. they make a stain for pretty much any color, but yeah, purple. They do make a purple. You get a purple table. All right. So that is our Kickstarter spotlight. Three cool projects to check out. We're going to wrap up the show. Just a heads up over on nonsensicalgamers.com. We've been working hard. We have a review of Thunder and Lightning, the Z-Man two-player game. We have a review of Oh My Goods, Lookout Games, uh, two to four player hand management game. We've chatted about that on the show. It is fantastic. We also have our What We've Been Playing blog if you're ever interested to get a uh, What We've Been Playing fix outside of the episodes. And we also have a League member spotlight on Biff, a.k.a. Mike, the lost Halstead brother. That other guy who works for the League that uh, everyone's always like, who's who's that other guy that you're related to? So if you're wondering more about him, you can check out that blog on nonsensicalgamers.com. Any closing thoughts before we round out the show, everyone? You might not know who Mike is, but he's basically the reason our site looks so good because he does our photography and graphics. So It's true. Everything that looks nice about this site and this show is courtesy of Mike. So give him props on his picks and his designs. All right, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. 
for Boardcast News for June 16th. Hopefully you're having a good time at Origins or listening to this, sitting at home, wishing you were there. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can do so on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to the BGG Guild number 2077. Get yourself some geek gold for a tiny Meeple Shield micro badge or chat in the guild forums about whatever is going on over there. Find us on Instagram, hashtag nonsensicalgamers, to check out some of those awesome picks from Mike and some less high-quality picks from me and my phone. And if you enjoy the content, we appreciate iTunes reviews. I checked out the iTunes reviews, and we have a lot of nice things on there. Lots of people giving stars, lots of people saying nice things about the show, so you know who you are. I thank you. Maybe we can feature your words one day on the show. If you would like to leave us an iTunes review, we would appreciate it. Helps the show get noticed, helps us climb up the ladder, so that when I look through the top 100, we can be up there underneath all those other wonderful shows. Uh, Reviews on Stitcher and Google Play do the same. We appreciate it. But if you want to chat with us, the one place to do that is Twitter. And if Tiff, people want to find out how your dog stroller's going, where do they find you? (laughs) I am at IneptGamer. Tiff, how's your dog stroller going? It's okay. We've been taking them out early in the morning as to avoid many onlookers. <laughs> to avoid to avoid the other dog strollers. You don't want too many congested sidewalks. Oh, man. No, a passing that's glance. Not, that's not really a thing where I live, so I know that I'd be judged if there were a lot of people out, so I've been kind of avoiding that, taking them out early in the morning, but it does work, and he's a happy dog. Tiff is tired this show because she's walking her dog at 2 a.m. when no one else is outside. I've, I've seen people do more strange things with their dogs than walking them in a stroller, so I wouldn't feel too weird, Tiff. Is your dog wearing shoes and a sweater while he's in the stroller? Yeah. Do you get Christmas pictures of him? No, none of that. Okay. I mean, he has worn a sweater before. Obviously, and we when, need to stay warm. Yeah. And, w- and when he was a puppy, we had a little raincoat for him. That's fair. Oh, that's cute. That's it. Yeah, it was ad- it was adorable, and it, it was legit because he had to go outside a lot. Uh, we did a I, we were traveling between two residences, so anyway, he doesn't need it anymore. He we he's a house decided dog. to displace dogs from their natural climates, so they get to wear clothes sometimes. That's what we get for having huskies in Maryland. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. He's my he's my perfect dog, and he's he's enjoying the strolling. I think. So. Excellent. <laughs> Dan, if people want to chat with you uh, about whatever it is that you chat about, game design, if people want to chat with you about uh, Storm Chasers version 1.4, how do they find you? Um, at League Nonsense on the League's account, or if you'd like to push me in a stroller, you can contact me <laughs> at, at scandalous underscore nad. Talk about getting a little more personal. Is that a thing that you'd be into? I'd yeah, judge-free zone. You can push me around anywhere. <laughs> I wonder if they make Dan size strollers. I think it's called a wheelchair. I, I think it's called a shopping cart. But <laughs> oh, is there like a diaper involved? Is that what you? No, that's no, kind of what I was picturing. I just do on the weekends. No, I just like to be pushed around in a shopping cart, basically. Do you want people to call you Baby Danny? Nope. Not really. Okay, now it's getting weird. We should go. Okay. <laughs> And you can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Uh, I recently ran into a problem where uh, I played video games with a, a listener, Astro, heads up, hey, 
and uh, he couldn't he couldn't figure out the tag because it was spelled phonetically. It was. It's because it's spelled stupidly. I felt bad, and all I could think you of was I could hear Dan bad. whispering in the back of my head, just like, "See your stupid gamer tag." Maybe if you spelled it like a normal person. Sorry, all. Thank you all. Have a good evening. Everyone say goodbye. Toodles. Bye.